It is Niall Boylan. It is the Niall Boylan podcast and show today with you for the next hour or so. Now, we have delved into this particular topic on numerous occasions over the last couple of months. And this is in relation to Ireland's criminal justice, incitement to violence and hatred and hate offences bill 2022. Now, the legislation, of course, was voted in by politicians uh, going back 110 to 14 not so long ago. Some independent politicians were against it. People before profit were against it, but for their own reasons. Now, this bill has created a huge amount of controversy. Both Elon Musk and many other celebrities around the world and very outspoken people with big platforms have said that this particular piece of legislation is Orwellian. The Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee, denies that. She says the new legislation will criminalise any intentional or reckless communication or behaviour. She also went on yesterday during a debate to say that the proposed hate speech legislation is or hate um, crime legislation is not radical, as detractors claim, while stating that she recognises there are different points of view. Speaking during the second stage debate yesterday evening, the minister said that some of the bill doesn't go far enough and others believe it goes too far. She said the government's legislation is to proportionate uh, evidence based and in line with legislation in other countries. She said it is a lesser offence to prepare or possess material such as posters or leaflets which are handed out or intended or likely to cause violence or hatred. Now, of course, we haven't defined the word hatred. And she was asked why they didn't define the word hatred in the legislation, because she said she would leave that up to the courts to decide. And indeed, that would get more prosecutions. So that's why they didn't define the word hatred. I want to know. Now, before we go any further, people keep quoting the Constitution of Ireland. Let's be clear about it. This is not America. You don't have a right to freedom of speech. And she said that yesterday evening in the debate that you don't have an absolute right to freedom of speech in Ireland. According to the Constitution, you have a right to freedom of expression. Article 10 says freedom of expression. Everyone has the right to freedom of expression. The right shall include freedom to hold opinions and receive and impart information and any ideas without interference by public authority and regardless of frontiers. That leads me to believe this could be challenged in the Supreme Court because to me that sounds very much like freedom of speech. But she says it isn't. So I want to know if you agree with it. Now, the reason, of course, the legislation is being brought in is because NGO groups and those from minorities say that hate speech and hate crimes have gone up by 30%. Now, they use these statistics, but it's very vague because they would suggest that people are being assaulted by reason of hate crimes. Now, let's be clear, if somebody's being assaulted or beaten up on the streets, nobody would condone that behaviour, and it's up to Angarda Shea to use the current legislation of assault to deal with those situations, or indeed if somebody incites violence in any way or to suggest that we should beat somebody up or do something to a community. We already have legislation since 1989, Incitement to Hatred Act. So why do we need this particular bill? Well, to talk to me a little more about it, there's one person who objects to the bill, Senator Ronan Mullen, and he joins me on the line. Senator, good evening to you. Or good afternoon. Sir. Good evening to you. Uh, good afternoon, and uh, thanks for having me on your programme. Senator, the, the debate seems to be very one-sided. I'm going to give you an example. Uh, I endeavoured to get balance today on the show, and I offered an opportunity to many NGO groups uh, who would be representative of the LGBT2 community, which a lot of people are talking about, and also many politicians who have spoken on this and have said that they agree with this legislation, but nobody would provide a spokesperson for me today because I get the impression from anybody I spoke to today within offices that this bill is already over the line and there's no reason for us to defend it. Is that the impression you're getting? Well, yes, it is. You see, that's 
part of the way power is, is wielded in this country. You know, sometimes it can be tactical to keep stum, just as it might be necessary on other times to, to speak up. But when the establishment has its NGOs lined up and when the civil service has done its work and when the politicians have the votes in the Dáil and the Shannad, it can suit them to minimise the discussion about this. And I think it's fair to say that mainstream media has been, you know, has done the minimum amount in terms of having a proper teasing out of the implications of this legislation for the freedoms that we've always taken for granted in a democracy, the core being freedom of expression, perhaps the, the second most uh, basic freedom we have after the, well, what, the, what the is, right to life what is your understa- What is your understanding of a freedom of expression? And by the way, before we go any further in this debate, I would assume you and I and everybody else would condemn anybody who gets involved in hate speech, deliberate hate speech, or incites violence against any community. I'm assuming we all condemn that. But we have to be careful as to how we interpret that, because my opinion may offend somebody, and they might deem that as hate speech, but is that really hate speech? And Helen McEntee is leaving that up to a judge to decide. Yes, it's the vagueness that has become the weapon. Let's just go back a little bit and look what what has happened here. You have a piece of legislation that does different things. In relation to hate crimes, no real problem with that. What it's doing is that if a certain crime is committed, we're already talking about stuff we would always all oppose, but if a, a motivation of hatred towards certain particular groups or what are defined as people who have protected characteristics is involved, then it becomes a more serious crime with a more serious penalty. Is, is that, you can have is a that debate even fair? About whether that, that, well, you can have a debate about whether that keeps us all equal before the law, but at least you're talking up here about people who are committing crimes that they shouldn't be committed, committing, and you're talking about prosecuting them, which they should certainly be prosecuted. There may be a debate about whether there's a downside to this. The people who argue in favour of making crimes more serious where they're motivated by hatred uh, towards certain uh, groups is that it's that those crimes can have a particular chilling effect on those groups of people who may already feel vulnerable within a community. I, I accept that argument, but I don't think it's the only argument. The argument on the other side is that really it shouldn't make a difference why somebody attacks you or me. It should be ju- it should be the same level of seriousness regardless who is attacked. But let's just park that hate crime aspect of the legislation because it's not the most problematic part of the bill. If we may, the minister says that that hate crime legislation is necessary to bring us in line with other countries. I'm happy not to spend my time talking about it because the hate crime aspect deals with things which are already crimes. It's the other part of the bill that's really problematic, which is the criminalization of incitement to violence or hatred. Now, again, None of us can have a problem uh, or no reasonable person can have a problem with criminalizing incitement to violence. It's what incitement to hatred means that's at the core of the problem. And this bill, updating incitement to hatred legislation, replaces the incitement to violence or hatred legislation that we have uh, from 1989. They say that they are doing this to take account of the new social media age because it was a different world back in 1989. Fair enough. They say that they're not getting enough prosecutions under that legislation. Well, I'm not so sure about that. If you're not getting enough prosecutions, it might mean that the crimes aren't being committed that should be prosecuted. Or perhaps you have a law that isn't uh, isn't uh, managing to reach wrongdoing that should be prosecuted. Here's the problem. In the old legislation, you were guilty of a criminal offense if you communicated material or displayed material that was intended 
to stir up hatred or was likely to stir up hatred. And the funny thing is, the minister in talking about this new bill still uses that language of stir up to justify it and say this is about targeting extreme forms of hate speech. But extreme isn't mentioned in the bill. Stir up isn't mentioned in the bill. So what she's saying in the bill is that if you communicate or behave in a manner that is likely to stir up, uh, sorry, likely to incite hatred, uh, uh, if you do it intentionally or if you do she, it recklessly, she, she did then you're an in example. the offence zone. She and the problem give, is yeah, they she, haven't she, defined hatred. So okay, do well, people... Well, 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 hang on a second. She gave an example yeah. last night of what she yes. was referring to when she said in possession of hatred or hateful material. She said, for example, this would be the case of a person travelling to a rally or a protest with far-right posters. Mind you, I don't know why people can't have far-left posters too, which can be just as offensive. Fair point, yeah. yeah. Expressing, uh, inciting, inciting hatred or violence in their car or in their backpack, even if they're not using them but if they're there with the intention of possibly using them. And this is the same uh, part of the legislation that gives the Garda Sheikhana the right to enter your home, take your devices. If you don't give the PIN numbers, you can go to jail for a year. If they believe or suspect you may be in possession, may be in possession of something that could be considered hatred. I mean, I would imagine that 90% of the population at some point in their life have received an email or a WhatsApp message or a text that they looked at and went, oh, that's not nice. You know, I mean, that could be considered hatred. And we would have no intention of forwarding it on to somebody else who might just swipe it off or delete it or leave it there, whatever. That invariably could become a crime. But the other part, which is also equally concerning, and when we looked at the amendments that were suggested by Aaron O'Reardon, uh, Pa Daly and uh, Thomas Pringle and Paul Murphy and many others as well, they talk about the word hate to include bias, prejudice, contempt, hostility and bigotry. These are all emotions. I mean, Rodan, I could turn around to you in the air today and say, I hate you, right? It's not a nice thing to say, I am yeah. hating you, but hate is just an emotion, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it to criminalise that you know, is bizarre. I, I, I... I, I believe that what's really bad about this bill, it's, you know, the criminal law is the extreme end of social sanction. There are other ways to sanction bad behavior. First of all, we have our education system where we should try and educate people not to hate others, not to be prejudiced against minorities of any kind, or indeed not to be prejudiced against any person. And of course, the minorities keep changing because in today's society, the people who used to be minorities, you could argue 20 or 30 years ago, are now very much in power. Uh, whereas people who maybe represented establishment points of view uh, 30 years ago would be very much the minority now to the point where they almost dare not say what they believe. So you have a real danger here of a kind of a gang up uh, pylon culture. And this is what's at, at, at the heart of this, because this is a bill by failing to define hatred and against a background of cancel culture that creates a real possibility that people will be targeted uh, for expressing their views robustly, not in a way that's actually setting out or indeed capable of causing other people to hate other people. But you see, we live in a world where you're, you're called a hater very quickly on social media if you express a point of view uh, that other people don't like. And of course, so, 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 so what's wrong with this bill is it criminalizes incitement to hatred without defining hatred. And there's a real risk there. Secondly, it does so against a background of cancel culture where there are people out there who are capable of seeking to put pressure on the Gardaí and, for example, to harass people, to initiate prosecutions potentially. And those prosecutions may not necessarily re result in convictions. Maybe some of the defences in the bill, you might be able to invoke them. But the problem is that the process becomes the punishment. You don't, it isn't just about whether you might go to jail 
for up to five years for saying something. It's the fear you might have of the, having the knock on the door from the Gardaí if you open your mouth in a way that you should be so entitled you, you, to open so your you mouth. I mean, I may not like it when people are rude or crude uh, in the way they express their point of view. But, you know, it's fine for the elites, the, the barristers, the, I dare I say it, the people in politics. You know, we're all kind of trained and we kind of know when to hold them and when to fold them in terms of pushing our point of view. I think this is a bill that's aimed at ordinary folk who maybe, you know, haven't been formally trained in argument and who, you know, sound off, let's say, on social media. And you have this vague law. And I think when you're talking about criminal law, you know, People have a right to certainty in the law. In fact, that has been established in court cases that where you have a criminal sanction capable of depriving people of their liberty, the person is entitled to certainty about what is or isn't a crime. You don't have that certainty when you have the Minister for Justice coming into Shannon Aaron, as she did last night, saying two attorneys generals in, in a row have, have recommended against defining hatred. And the reason seems to be because that would make it more difficult to get prosecutions. Now, that is a perverse and Orwellian way of looking at things. It is that we should be trying to avoid criminalizing people unjustly, and we should only be criminalizing people where they know clearly in advance what is or isn't a crime. We don't have that with this bill, and that's why people need to be making it very hot for their politicians in these days. And I mean in a peaceful and persistent, but in a very determined and focused way, saying this type of legislation is vague, that's not appropriate for the criminal law. That's not appropriate when you are threatening people's natural right to freedom of expression. That's not acceptable in a democracy. And can I just I mean, say, it, well, well, I'm just not before a you say that, yeah. I, I, it kind of reminds me a bit of Jeremy Hearn's blasphemy laws. And I, mean, I know you're you're quite a religious man yourself, but the blasphemy laws at the time, of course, in a referendum, we decided we didn't want them anymore because. They became a bit of an international embarrassment when Pakistan said they were envious of our blasphemy laws, which were €25,000 fine, I think, in six months in jail or something like that. So essentially what we did was we told the population, should we get rid of these laws that protect a minority? Well, it wasn't a minority, of course. It's a majority of Catholics in, in Ireland. But should we get rid of this law that protects an ideology or a theology? And we said, yes, let's get rid of those laws. We should be able to say what we want. We should be able to you know, blaspheme God if that's what we feel we should be able to do because that's our opinion. But then we just went... And we're now going to replace those blasphemy laws with another set of blasphemy laws, but just protecting different characteristics. Am I thinking, is, is that the wrong way to think of this? No, I think it's right. Although I have to put my, up my hand here. And in fact, before you asked me that question, I was about to say that I'm not a free speech absolutist myself uh, because I actually opposed removing that clause from the Constitution. But the reason I opposed removing but it... Is that, him, is that not hypocritical? Is that not a bit hypocritical, but... Well, yeah, well, I mean, I'm going to take that full on. There's three reasons you could say it's it, either I was wrong then and I'm right now, or either I was right then or I'm wrong now, or either it's a different case. And I think it's a different case because what you had was a clause that was already there in the Constitution that wasn't causing problems. And it was kind of an educator about the politeness that I think we should be shown towards people of different faiths and none. This is a different thing because this is a new measure that is going to change the landscape in Ireland. And it does so against the background of a cancel culture. And not only do you have a vague definition of hatred, not only do you have this happening, as I say, when there's, if you like, social media mobs out there only dying to say that not only are you a hater, but you're acting against the law. And when are the guards going to? Now, you're doing this again in a context as well, where the guard, they already have a practice. And this is on the record that when they are investigating or looking into what they describe as non-crime 
hate incidents. So let's say people being aggressive towards each other or hateful towards each other, but in a way that's not criminal. I don't dispute the guards have a right to kind of look into these things, just, you know, in their role as keepers of the peace. But they are the Garda Shia Khanna, the, the, not the Garda Smuincha. You know, they're not the keepers of our thoughts. And the but, thing but, is, but, at but the we moment... We did see an example they, of that three weeks ago when Billboard Chris, who I'm sure you may be familiar precisely with... Precisely that. Yes, absolutely. We, we saw a great we had example. A guard, who, who was very polite, but was completely in the wrong. And you had Billboard Chris, who was somewhat rude, but completely in the right. Because the guy that was suggesting to him that if he was, had something offensive, and I think what he was saying was something like, um, we shouldn't be doing surgeries uh, or giving no, puberty I think blockers it was, uh, to children. Said, the, the poster said children can't consent to puberty blockers. Well, yeah, exactly. And, 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 and isn't he right? And isn't it a scandal, you know, that there well, are that, young children as a result and I know, of this? By the way, on that note, good news this week, the NHS, of course, have now stopped prescribing uh, puberty blockers to children because of the evidence that they now see, the long-term damage that they could do to children. So they have now blocked it. And I think it's time that Ireland takes a very serious look at yeah. what we're doing in relation to children. But a separate I look forward. I look forward to hearing what our Minister for Education has to say. I look forward to hearing from what our Minister for health has to say and I look forward to hearing what our Minister for Children has to say because it's an absolute scandal that as a result of trans ideology there are young girls going around with suture stitches on their chest where their breasts used to be and to think that our society is not unanimous in condemning that assault on children and the ideology that has led to it. it. It shows how just how mad things have become in some ways. But just back but, to but the, no, well, hang on, just to give that a bit of balance, yeah. if you're 18 years of age, you can do what you want with yourself and that's fine and everybody accepts well, that's that. Right. I, I was referring to young people, absolutely. absolutely. But I do think... But, but, I, but I hang do on, think, getting back to Billboard yeah. Chris, because we've gone off in a, in a bit of a tangent. Yeah. Billboard Chris, yeah. the Garda Khan had told him to move from the area and he suggested, he didn't say it, but suggested he would arrest him if he didn't because he said he was in breach of the Criminal Justice Act, Section 17, I think is what he quoted, which was completely yeah. incorrect because the European Court of Human Rights gives you the right to offend. It gives you the right exactly. to shock. Now, also... It was, section, where, it was Section 7 of seven, the Criminal Justice Act, like the public order legislation. And while it is correct that it, it can be an offence uh, to display material which is threatening, uh, abusive or insulting... It has to be with an intent to provoke uh, provoke a breach of the peace uh, and uh, or to be reckless about that. And clearly that was not in play there. So the Garda okay. was wrong on the law. Where do we stand with the United Nations? Because Article 18 of the United Nations obviously says everyone has the right to freedom of thought, conscience and religion. And the right includes freedom to change his religion belief. Uh, it also says everyone has the right to freedom of opinion, expression. And this right includes freedom to hold opinions, which is similar to our freedom of expression. Now, in relation to that, we've had a lot of international attention because Ireland has now become an embarrassment around the world with this piece of legislation and people describing it as Orwellian. And we spoke to Michael Schellenberger going back about three weeks ago. And for people who didn't see that interview, I'm just going to play about 40 seconds of it just to remind you what he said when I asked him. And you can have a listen to the question that I asked him and just bear with me for 30 or 40 seconds. You can just, you know, if I say something or you say something that may be against transgenderism, that may be against people of colour, that may be against whatever it happens to be or whatever protected characteristic that you're encouraging hatred against that community. And they say we have to do something. Do they have to do something? Uh, of course they don't. And, and the desire to want to silence the people around you is pathological. There's something wrong with people that want to silence people that have different views from them, in my view. Speech is not violence, um, except for in extremely narrow circumstances. It's uh, 
it's just a personal expression. It doesn't hurt you. And we need to communicate that to people. Okay, I think but... that the the other issue I would just say is that we've seen a significant decline in all forms of prejudice in every Western society. You know, we've seen the number, the percentage of Americans who support interracial marriage has risen from 5% to around 95%. We've allowed same-sex couples to be married and to adopt children. There's never been a period of greater tolerance and of less hatred in any civilization in recorded human history than in the societies today. There's no evidence of any increase of hate incidents. So this is a big lie. As big of a lie as the totalitarians tried to sell people in the mid-20th century, it's as dangerous. And I think we have to speak out against it. We have to have love in our hearts. I think we have to love our fellow humans and our civilization. And that means that let people speak, you know, and the people that want to shut people up and silence people, I think we have to acknowledge there's usually something psychopathological about them, either some sort of a personality disorder, histrionic, you know, sociopathic, something that makes them think that it's their job to silence their fellow citizens. And we need to describe that and call it out for what it is. That's Michael Schellenberger, the author, and also one of the authors of the Twitter files who called out the American government for silencing Twitter and people on Twitter over the last two years under the command of Elon Musk. He's also written many books in relation to freedom of speech. I mean, everything he says there seems to be exactly what you're saying, and but yet we're still in this position. So where are we now? We're now at the second stage debate in the Shannon. Um, people are suggesting this could go through before the summer be signed by the president, maybe uh, after the summer recess in September. Does that look like it's going to happen? I don't know. As you said, it has passed the doll. Legislation, as you know, has to pass both houses. So now it's begun its journey in the Shannon. There's going to be strong opposition, certainly from a minority of us. Um, Senator Michael McDool, Senator Sharon Kogan uh, and I have all, uh, have all spoken. Sharon Kogan will speak again next week as she was uh, in the middle of her speech when, when, when the time allotted for, for yesterday evening's debate expired. Uh, some of the members of Fianna Fáil said positive things, like Senator Lisa Chambers, uh, uh, who who I think gets our concern. You got the impression that the Green Party is wagging the Fine Gael dog a bit on this, to be honest with you. The Fine Gael senators went in and rather blindly defended the legislation. Uh, the, you, the left seemed to be very much on board with this. Where are they um, is, is a question people would ask. And of course, one could ask, where are the NGOs? Because even though they said, oh, this bill needs change, they seem to be fully on board with it. And I'd say, you know, who's to know but that some of them are hoping for a bit of money from the state's kitty when it comes to education programmes uh, to uh, uh, you know, promote this legislation and what it means for our society. Can I just say this, though, going back to what Michael Schellenberger had to say? We're in cancel culture zone, and what that means is, whereas once upon a time universities promoted people challenging each other's ideas, we saw democracy being about hearing what other people have to say, Woke and cancel culture is about the opposite. It is about crushing the opposition. It is Marxism in a new form. And that's why it's often called cultural Marxism. It's where basically you identify who's in the wrong and you absolutely seek to disappear them uh, from public debate. When it comes to freedom of expression, as I said, I'm not a freedom of expression absolutist. Let's look at what our constitution guarantees. It guarantees freedom of expression subject to public order and morality. So we all agree shouting fire in a theatre is wrong. We all agree that persistent, uh, ugly expression of hostility 
to particular groups of people or in individual. a way that might yes. lead to violence towards them is something that could attract the criminal law. But and we, and we also agree that defamation, that defamation area, is not acceptable. You have to define the law very yeah. carefully or you will undermine democracy. Well, I, I think it comes down to freedom of speech is absolute provided you take responsibility for what you say. In other words, if you defame somebody, you're going to pay for it. I mean, well, that's so, a very uh, good point, Michael. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Call me, Michael. You, Michael. I'll take it as a compliment. But thank you for the service you're doing by, by surfacing these issues. You see, I said earlier, the criminal law is at the extreme end. There is a possibility of educating people. There is a possibility of civil law where people can sue each other. That falls short of depriving other people of their liberty. And of course, there's regulatory possibilities where the internet can be responsible for what it puts up or doesn't put up. I'm not saying it should be a free-for-all. But when you use the criminal law or the threat of it, and that's what's going on here because of the vagueness of the law, to put the silencers on people, that's when you need people actively protesting. And that's why I'm encouraging people to be getting on to their government TDs and senators and saying, this must change. We don't have the votes but, but, and the shadows to do a yeah. head count. Having said that, Michael McDowell, Sharon Kogan and myself will be tabling lots and lots of amendments and the government are, are hinting to us that they're not going to they're not going to guillotine it. It's very important that they wouldn't. So it's going to have a testing debate in the Shannon. There isn't that much time but, but, left. But hang on, term. but hang on. You're saying they're not going to guillotine it, but Ben Ben uh, Scallon from Grip Media only spoke to Taoiseach Leo Varadkar going back two weeks ago or three weeks ago when he said to him that 70% of the public submissions of the public were asked to submit their feelings on it. 70% had disagreed with the legislation. And his answer to that was, ah, but we don't listen to that anyway. So in other words, you're saying they're not going to guillotine it, but then again, you know, they're not even listening to the general public. I mean, for, for Helen McEntee to say last night that she felt it was getting support both in society and in the political arenas, I don't believe that because many politicians yeah, well, I've spoken to both here and on the radio have said they haven't even read the legislation. They voted for it. 110 of them yeah. voted for it last time around. And I guarantee you, and as I spoke to Pater Tobin from uh, Aintu as well, and he said the same thing, he guarantees that at least 50% of them don't even know what the legislation is and haven't even read it. Well, that's probably true most of the time with most legislation, uh, I, I'd have to say. I mean, that's the way our political system works. Some people choose to focus on some issues and then on other issues they take no interest at all. However, I, I think what could be different about the Shannon dynamic is that, that we have extensive amendments prepared and we are prepared to talk about this. We are prepared and we are active in social media and other media where possible, drawing, um, drawing people's attention uh, to the dangers to our democracy here. And I still think that if people lobby their politicians hard enough, you know what, I, the minister referred several times yesterday to stakeholders. And again, it's what happens so often. Well, we, they choose we, we know the who stakeholders they, are. they want to listen to, and then they claim that they have universal well, we know, we all know. We, we know who the stakeholders are, all the NGOs, the, the paid NGOs in this country, which is the cost of the country billions. But we know who they are. And, and, but, and don't get me wrong, it's not an awful lot of people, but they make an awful lot of noise. Uh, listen, Ronan, I know you're kind of stuck for time and I appreciate you. I'm just asking you. somebody to take a phone call there in case people think, think I'm doing some dad <laughs> dancing or something. I, it's just the phone is ringing. I didn't, I didn't know what you were up to. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay, I didn't know what you were up to. I thought there was something wrong. Anyway, <laughs> listen, Roland, I really appreciate you. And by the way, I, a lot of people listening and who listen to our show or watch our show on a 
regular basis. Also appreciate the fact that you're standing up yourself and Sharon and Michael McToole and a few others as well, Powder Tobin we've had on the show as well, are standing up to this. And you are right, the media tend not to cover this legislation or tend not to cover the debate and I have no idea why. I've covered it on numerous occasions over the last couple of months and, and will continue to do so. And I would say that we shouldn't accept even a watered down version of it because if the minister comes back and says, well, let's define the word hatred as being somebody that offends another person. I mean, we couldn't even accept that because we should be we should be entitled. We shouldn't offend people, by the way, but we should be entitled to offend people because to get to the truth, you always have to offend somebody. Yeah, and maybe in our if we get another a future discussion where we haven't even touched on is the widening of the list of protected characteristics and this massively crazy radical new definition of gender, which points really it really suggests to me that's where it's all coming from. Well, it's because we're right in the middle of the culture wars mm. there, and it's exactly the place where people are going to be targeting other people and saying you shouldn't be allowed to say that. So we might talk about that some other time if you get time. On a final note, just in relation to gender, yesterday I seen Hopkins University, which is a very renowned university, because all this comes from the universities in America, as we all well know, and they now have redefined the word woman. Um, in their own de- description, I'm just doing it from memory here, a man or a gay man is a male who has a sexual orientation towards male, but a lesbian is a non-man. So work that one out. A lesbian is not oh, even a woman anymore. A lesbian is now officially a non-man. So they won't even use the word woman, which it, it, to me yeah. is for women who have fought for the rights for over, a hundred, well, when yeah. they got the right yeah. to vote over 105 or 10 years ago, I think it's quite despicable. And I think the women of the world need to stand up and fight against this because we're slowly but surely eroding women. That's what we're yes, doing. Yes, we had a great presentation yesterday from Dr. Helen Joyce, um, author of uh, Trans, Where Ideology Meets Reality. And oh, I, I think a lot of the politicians who heard her were very impressed. And hopefully people will, you know, get out there, read her book as well. Yeah. And But I would stress, people, please contact your politicians about this. It's really important. Listen, thank you very much indeed, Senator Ronan Mullins. Thank you for coming on the air and talking to us. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085-100-2255. The Nile Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms.